0: and welcome to another episode of The Force Nexus, a Star Wars podcast where we talk about the light side, the dark side, and everything else in between from that galaxy far, far away. I hope you're all doing well today, and thank you for joining me on day four of 30 Days of Star Wars as we count down the days towards the launch of Rise of Skywalker. Yesterday we took a look at your favourite Sith and dove into the story of Darth Bane. But today, we're going to flip things up a little bit and talk about the Freedom Fighters that took place during the time of the Galactic Civil War. Today, we're looking into your favorite member of the Rebel Alliance. Born on the outer rim ice planet of Volt during the years of the Clone Wars, Jin Erso was the daughter of the pacifist scientist Galen and ex-galactic surveyor and devotee of the Church of the Force Lyra Erso. Lyra had given birth to Jin during the Urso's time in captivity, being held by the Separatist Confederacy following Galen's refusal to use his knowledge and work on kyber crystals to aid them in the war. Jin spent the first six months of her life living within the prison, with her only points of contact being her mother and the caretakers of the facility, until the family were surprisingly ordered to board a carriage which rendezvoused with Galen's old educational friend Orson Krennic. The Ursos had been relocated to Coruscant, where they lived for a number of months before Krennic had offered Galen an official job for the Republic, working on a crystal-powered communication array on the planet of Le About a year would pass until the violence of the war would reach Le and the Ursos would be forced to move onward again. The Separatists had launched an attack on the complex Galen was working on, and the family were ordered to seek safety by the clone troopers attempting to defend the innocents. Eventually becoming surrounded by the battle droids with nowhere left to go, Galen stood in front of his wife and daughter, determined no one would take them. But before the droids managed to take a shot, each and every one of them powered down on the spot. The Clone Wars had come to an abrupt end. Following the formation of the Galactic Empire, Galen had agreed to work on what he thought was a sustainable energy project through the use of kyber crystals. The family were relocated again to the imperial complex on Coruscant, where Galen became increasingly distant with his family, allowing his work to consume most of his time and attention. Whilst he was working, Lyra and Jin had embarked on a trip for an archaeological project, where Lyra had realised her beliefs on her husband's work on Kyber was in violation of the mystical and sacred nature of these crystals. Upon returning, Galen had seen a picture that Jin had drawn of a character from the Octave Stairway, a holodrama she would watch as a bedtime story. When he noticed the drawing looked surprisingly like him, Jin had said to her father that he could have been Bryn, if he wanted. Sparking both guilt and love, Galen expressed to Jin that he regrets being so distant and not a bigger part of her life. Lyra and Galen would then discuss their conflicting beliefs in the energy project, and after putting the pieces together they had realized that Galen's work was actually being used as a weaponized source of energy. With this new revelation dawning on them, they realized they had to leave, but knowing they couldn't just walk out of the empire, they had arranged an escape, where Saw Gerrera would meet them following a pursuit through the city so they can leave Coruscant. The Ursos went into hiding on the planet Lemu. Posing as a farmer, Galen was content for a while knowing his work was not being used to enforce the Empire's oppressive rule. This wouldn't last forever though, as Krennic managed to track down the family. In an attempt to stop this once and for all, Lyra pulled a blaster on Krennic. The shot burnt his shoulder and Lyra was killed on site by one of his death troopers. Galen was taken back to the Empire and forced to continue his research, while Jin managed to escape to a pre predetermined bunker in case of this very event. She was eventually found by the extreme freedom fighter and previous rescuer, Saw Guerrera. Jin went on to live with Saw and joined his band of rebel partisans. Saw himself was both an effective but brutal fighter, with the majority of the rebellion leaders disagreeing with his methods, but still respective of his results. Because of this, Living life and fighting alongside Saw and his soldiers moulded Jin into a character with similar traits, a ruthless fighter, one even which Saw would be mistaken to underestimate. When she was 16, she joined Saw and his partisans on a mission to Tamsi Prime. In order to hide her real name and origin, she had forged imperial documents and took on the alias Kestrel Dawn. However, the band was betrayed by a member of their own, who had suspected Jin's true identity and phoned in the Empire. They fought themselves free of the Empire's trap, but Saw ordered Jin to wait in an old turret shell with a small blaster in hand until daylight. She watched Saw leave to deal with the traitor, but never saw him return. Knowing the Empire would bombard their location to eliminate any survivors, Jin had set out to escape. Her abandonment from two father figures so far had sown strong seeds of mistrust and anger. She managed to escape with the help of a freighter pilot, settle down temporarily, and even found love amongst her new home until the Empire had forced her out, killing those around her and leaving her orphaned for a third time. This took Jin down a survival path filled with crimes and multiple different identities until she was finally caught and imprisoned by the Empire on Wobani. This brings us up to the events of Rogue One, where she is rescued by the Rebel Alliance, who wanted information on Galen and Saw. Jin was extremely reluctant to share any information, so they informed her that a pilot had delivered a message to Saw saying that her father was working for the Empire on a supposed superweapon, a planet killer. Jin agrees to travel to Jeddah with Cassian in order to speak with him, but also runs into Shira Emwe a guardian of the wills, who takes a curious interest in the kyber crystal, pendant her mother had given her as a child. They, along with Shirat's protector, Baze Malbus, are then caught up in an attack on an imperial convoy by Saw's partisans, and after the Empire is defeated, they are taken back to Saw's hideout and imprisoned, whilst Jin heads out to speak with Saw himself. Meeting with a paranoid Saw, fearing that the rebellion had sent Jin to kill him, She vented her anger onto him for abandoning her all this time. After explaining that he was in as much danger protecting her as she was fighting alongside him, Jin explained that she was sent to speak to him regarding the message that the pilot had. Jin saw the message, a recording of her father proclaiming that he was indeed working against his will on the planet killer, the Death Star and was planning to sabotage the battle station from the inside via a small exhaust port. The message shook Jin to her core as it all made sense. Upon hearing the explanation from her father, she realised that all this time Galen's choices he made were to protect both her and her mother and proclaimed his love for his stardust, which broke through Jin's hard exterior and caused her to break down in tears, missing the love of her father. From the message, Jin discovered that the plans would need to be found in order to carry out an attack on the Death Star. At this time, the Empire had poured out of Jeddah as they launched a test fire of the weapon on the planet. With only minutes to escape before the horizon swallowed them whole, Jin had to leave the message behind and saw himself to escape the planet alive. Leaving the planet, or what was left of it, Jin told the team that they needed to find Galen, and with Bodhi, the one who delivered the message, knowing of his location, they set out to the storm stricken planet of Edu. On their way, Cassian doubted whether Jin was telling the truth after discovering that the message was left behind. This only made things worse for Jin, as she admonished him for his lack of trust. After crash landing on Edu, Cassian and Bodhi scout the Imperial landing pad via a cliff top after ordering the rest of the team to stay in the ship as he had received secret orders to actually assassinate Galen instead. Becoming more aggravated with the situation whilst Cassian had departed, Jin took matters into her own hands and began to follow them. Upon noticing the landing pad, though, she set out to climb it, convinced her father was there. As Jin reached the top, Krennic's shuttle had landed on the pad, following up a report that somebody amongst the scientists working there had betrayed the Empire. Before the whole team was court-martialed, Galen stood in front of them and confessed to his message. However, before Jin could finally act on seeing her father, a group of Rebellion fighters launched their attack on the landing pad after presuming that the team had been unsuccessful and killed during their crash. As Galen was comprehending what he was seeing, he was hit by a proton torpedo fired from a rebel Y-wing. Holding her dying father in her arms, Cassian told Jin. ...that they needed to leave immediately. Angry with Cassian after realising that he was going to kill Galen... ...but Cassian retaliated with the fact that being a rebel soldier... ...sometimes means not having the chance to make your own choices... ...regardless of how you feel. Jin and the team headed back to Yavin 4 ...to explain the situation to the Alliance. Many members of the Council present for the meeting were convinced... ...that an infiltration mission on Scarif was folly... ...and that they didn't stand a chance... In an inspiring speech, Jin proclaimed that it isn't a matter of chance, but of choice, and if they choose to do nothing and not stand against the Empire, then they are choosing to condemn the galaxy to its fate. Whilst her speech touched many and swayed their opinion, it still wasn't enough to gain the full support of the Council, so the plan was abandoned. However, as Jin leaves the hangar, she is approached by Cassian and his band of soldiers, he explained that she was right, and we all do have a choice to do what's right, and with that, she had the support of a small strike team. Deciding to follow up on that plan, Jin, Cassian, Shiret, Maze, Bodhi and the Rebel soldiers steal an Imperial shuttle from the landing zone outside and establish their callsign Rogue One. Approaching Scarif, Jin uses this moment to instill further inspiration and courage who are now part of their team on what looks to be a suicide mission. So Guerrero used to say, One fighter with a sharp stick and nothing to lose can take the day. They have no idea we're coming. They have no reason to expect us. If we can make it to the ground, we'll take the next chance. And the next. On and on until we win, or all the chances are spent. The Death Star plans are down there. Cassian, K2 and I will find them. We'll find a way to find them. Upon landing, they sneak into the Empire's facility and begin searching for the plans whilst the rebel soldiers outside attack, causing a distraction for them. Entering the vault inside, they locate the plans to the superweapon and begin climbing up a communications tower so the plans can be beamed out to the rebel fleet. However, Krennic is close on their tail. And as they climb, he takes a shot at Cassian, hitting the rebel spy and causing him to fall below. Jin is forced to go up alone, and after a struggle, realigning the communication disc, Krennic appears to face her. With the two of them not having met in decades, she explains that she is indeed the daughter of Galen and Lyra Urso, and she just leaked out the plans to the Death Star to be used in an all-out attack against it. Krennic raises his blaster proclaiming that she's lost, but is then shot unconscious by Cassian having recovered from his fall. The two of them beam up the plans to the Rebel fleet and flee the facility, only to find that the Death Star has indeed arrived at Scarif. Happy and content that she fulfilled her mission, that the plans are safe with the Rebellion and that the galaxy was one step closer to gaining the hope it needed, Jin and Cassian share a respectable embrace before the Death Star fires upon the planet, and they both become one with the Force. So now that we've gone into her story a bit, let's take a look at why I think uh, she's the best rebel and she's my personal favorite. Um, as a whole, the, this film and the rebellion is really built around hope. Uh, Leia even says at the end of the film, and uh, it's brought up again in The Last Jedi with the little ring that Rose has. Hope is a big kind of through line, and I really, really like Jin's character because at the beginning, through everything she went through uh, in the Catalyst novel and then Rebel Rising with her uh, kind of militaristic upbringing, having been moved around the galaxy, not staying in one place too long and being so kind of distant from her father, um, she kind of leaves that setting and grows up with like the least amount of hope. All she knows is tragedy and all she's really known is uh kind of the the three sorry the two closest people to her um one isn't really that close to her and the other was killed when she was only a child so hope is a very finite thing when we first see her in you know in the film and like like i said during the uh kind of law recap uh it does make her into quite a i wouldn't say bitter but a very kind of straightforward um kind of like my way or the highway Uh, i'm used to my own devices kind of very hard in exterior um, because of how she's been brought up and what i really love in rogue one as as we see the kind of character she became being imprisoned and all of that what i love in rogue one is seeing her have that conversation with, with with galen with her father Uh, because uh, this is one of the reasons why I really like uh, Return of the Jedi as well. It's the moment at the end where Vader pretty much apologizes and says, look, I was wrong. Let me do the right thing. It was that kind of understanding that at the end, Luke and Vader are on the same page. Now, bringing it back to Jin, it's kind of the same similar thing because Jin finally after i believe she's like early 20s after two decades finally hears the reasoning behind why her father has done all this stuff why he's been distant why he had to keep traveling from place to place uh the fact that he's been tricked himself because she just thinks that he's only bothered about his work all he was bothered about was working for the empire and you know his 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 projects but that couldn't have been further from the truth he He had no choice but to join the empire because if he didn't, that would mean the death of his entire family. Uh, They would all be hunted down. As as we know, the empire doesn't take kindly to saying no. Plus, as well as that, if they were to kill him, then they would have access to the research. So what better way to keep that research protected than by keeping himself alive and guarding it himself in person? So... For Jin to come to that realization and then suddenly turn that kind of attitude around to me is really powerful. And it's in a way kind of, like I say, it encapsulates the whole kind of rebellion. Like we we see all all, all this evil stuff going on and we've got to do something about it. Galen was doing something about it. He wasn't fighting, he was a pacifist. So he learned to become more confident. He learned to lie and he learned to be secretive. Uh, which he never was like back in his, in his younger days. That's why we hear um, Orson Krennic in the film say, you were never a good liar. Even though he was a really bad liar, he still did it because he still believed that he needed to do the right thing. So again, for like Jin to take that on and learn from being a, a really hard kind of uh, cold person to then... You know taking on the importance of hope and then using it later on in the speech rebellions are built on hope she is now trying to take the lesson that she has learned through this film and share it to the rest of the council and this they still don't believe it they're still being kind of pushed down uh, you know the oppression of the empire they don't feel like they've got a chance but as we said she realizes it's not about chance uh, she says in the film that, you know, if you keep your head down, you don't have to look up. But she realises that that was the wrong way to go about it all. You've got to look up and you've got to have hope. And this is her showing her the, re- showing the rebellion that help- hope is needed. With hope, you can do anything. And she proves exactly that by stealing the plans to the Death Star. And the final point I'd like to make is that we see that hope continue even though uh, she becomes one with the force at the end of the film she's taken out by the death star with cassian her legacy is felt throughout um a new hope and the rest of the rebellion when luke destroys the death star granted luke's the one who tapped into the force and and blew the thing up but without without the help of jin then he would never have been in a situation to do that you know the uh, the rebellion wouldn't have gone for the death star plans um you know older on and then who knows how many more planets would have fallen until Jin turned around and said no screw you council i'm going to go do this because this needs to be done you know so without jinn i don't think we would have gotten that uh in in universe yes rogue one was made after episode four so let's talk about an in-universe context if it wasn't for Jin Luke wouldn't have been able to seal the deal and destroy the Death Star so that the hope and the legacy that she left after the film that is why Jin Erso is my favorite member of the Rebel Alliance so before we wrap up today's episode I just wanted to leave you with a little a little bit of trivia a little behind the scenes tidbit and that's that the premise for this film was actually created by John Knoll, who is the chief creative officer and the senior visual effects supervisor of Industrial Light and Magic, ILM. And that's cool because the whole premise of the film came from the the one kind of line in the crawl of episode four stating that the plans to the Death Star had been stolen. Now, having watched episode four, everyone realizes that that's a pretty big thing. Like, that's, that's a massive impact on the galaxy, so it would make sense to see a film about that. What led us up to the events of A New Hope, which obviously is why it ends right before A New Hope. You can watch the two films back to back and, and you know, it makes perfect sense. Um, but as well as that, something else um, that I find really cool, especially after talking about why I like this character so much, and that's that John Knoll wrote the character of Gio to be a role model for his two daughters, uh, I think he it said two daughters, his daughters, uh, plural daughters. But that was—I mean—I find that so heartwarming. Just like because th- this character is just an overall lesson, really, in that it, sure bad things might happen to you, but the last thing you can do is lose hope. For him to kind of write that character for his for his children was like ah, oh, the feels, man. Like I was like, go on, John. And with that, that is day number four in the books of 30 Days of Star Wars leading up to the launch of Rise of Skywalker. Thank you so much for joining me again today. If you didn't catch the previous episodes, you can find them on Anchor and Spotify, as well as YouTube as well. And as of last night, I got the email from Anchor saying that the podcast has been distributed on Breaker and Radio Public. So if by any chance you just so happen to hear this on... Spotify, Anchor, YouTube, and prefer Breaker and Radio Public, you can go ahead and follow us on there as well. And I do hope you'll join me tomorrow for day number five of 30 Days of Star Wars, where we'll talk the flip side of this coin as well, your favourite Imperial officer, or agent, or trooper, we'll find out tomorrow. Again, thank you so much for joining me today. If you'd like to get reminded of when tomorrow's episode will drop, you can follow the show on the social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at TheForceNexus. And until next time, you luminous beings, may the Force be with you all, always.